0: The following podcast is a member of the Pokecasters Network. Pokecasters Network, supporting Pokemon content creators, their shows, and the community of Pokemon fans. To find out more, check out pokecastersnetwork.com or find us on Twitter and Facebook. Welcome to the Pokepress Digest Podcast, a Pokemon news magazine show. Here you'll find some of the best content offered by our site. For more, visit us at pokepress.blogspot.com. In this episode, Anne from BKB Podcast drops by to discuss the music of Poké Park 2 Wonders Beyond for the Wii. This sometimes-forgotten sequel delivers a fresh set of tunes, which have some interesting structural ties to the game. Afterwards, we move on to our feedback section, where we ponder whether the Japanese version of the second movie may have originally had a different credits song, and why having a backup plan is a good idea. Finally, there's a Wonders Beyond game discussion after the outro. Thanks! Hi folks, Steven here. I'm on the phone with Anne from PKP Podcast. And in our continuing series of Pokemon side game music discussions, we've reached the second Generation 5 side game, and that ends up being Pokepark 2 Wonders Beyond for the Wii. We are going to be jumping between systems a little bit, but right now, for this one, we're on the original Wii. Yay! All right, well, as so far as when this game was originally released, in Japan it came out in late 2011, in November. rest of the world got it in 2012. Uh, North America was the end of February. Europe and Australia was in March. And um, as far as the original experience there, I actually have... A little bit of a story. Uh, I had sent in my original Wii for service. I think they actually ended up just replacing it with the same model. And so, around the time when I started playing this, it was right after I got that back, because my old Wii had sort of just locked. It's a long story there, um, but I did play through the whole game there, enjoyed it quite a bit, and I. Did you get a chance to play this when it came out? Did you have a like a, a Wii of some variety by then, or were you still uh, Wii-less?
1: Wii-less. <laughs> um, I'm not sure what my state of Wii was when this came out. I do know that I never owned this game. I have only played it vicariously through others, like at cons or at friends' houses and the like.
0: Did you get a chance to play any more of it for this discussion?
1: Um, not for this discussion. I kind of had to rely on my old memories and Let's Plays.
0: All right, well, I did get a chance to go back to this. Uh, I did a little bit of a live stream, although it's uh, it's an unlisted thing, so you probably can't find it on the channel anymore, even though it is technically there. As far as who worked on this, like the first Poké Park game, this was a Creatures, Inc. produced game. So Creatures, Inc. is obviously part of the Pokémon family of companies that are co-owner of the brand. As far as the people who worked on it musically, we have four names – Three of them should be very familiar from prior Creatures, Inc. Pokemon games. One of them is new. First off, we have Takuto Kitsuda, who I guess goes back a ways. He worked on the discarded N64 version of Mother 3, some e-cards, HeartGold, Silver, and the forthcoming Detective Pikachu game, Kenichi Koyano who is known for working on the some of the Ranger stuff, Inuyasha game, and Bloody Roar, the series. And Sigero Yoshida, who worked on Guardian Signs, and uh, the anime series Rio. And
1: do you have any updates on any of
0: those, folks?
1: I don't have any updates on any of those three, no.
0: All right, well, we do have one new name. Unfortunately, we may not be able to shed a lot of light. Yumu Ito? Unfortunately, the only other credit I found for this person was the Detective Pikachu game. So I'm guessing they stayed at Creatures for a while. We'll see if slash when Creatures produces another dedicated Pokemon game where they, or if they show up. And did you have any information on
1: this individual? Yeah, I have a couple other credits. They have not had any credits on Pokemon games before 2010, which is, it looks like they had a little bit to do with Pokemon Ranger Guardian signs. But they also did... uh, some work on Pokemon Dream Radar and the Pokedex 3D Pro um, with sound and sound design. So, like I said, we don't have a ton of information on um, what other companies they've worked for, what other games they've worked for, but it does look like they stayed uh, with the company for a while. At, like I said, the latest credit I have on them is the Detective Pikachu games in 2016.
0: And, uh, yeah, Dream Radar and Pokedex 3D Pro probably not something we'll discuss too much on this stream since there's not a lot of musical content either. But, um, yeah, glad you were able to, to find some uh, tidbits on, on that person. As far as the overall style for this game, it's not completely dissimilar to the first Poké but I would say, in general, it is more elaborate. It is still mostly a lot of orchestral-type stuff, uh, also some synth-type things as well here and there. And do you think that's a fair characterization?
1: Yeah, it feels like it just took a little bit of a level up, but it's still very much in the same vein.
0: Yeah, so that's going to carry over into our song discussions. And as usual, we've each picked out three songs. And what were the songs you picked?
1: I picked um, the Craig area, and I also picked Attraction Failure and the Dark Rye boss theme.
0: Yeah, phase one, and sorry to those of you who did not want to be spoiled, but yes, Darkrai is the main boss of this game, although there are are some post-game bosses as well. I picked Seasong Beach Cove area, Train Depot area, and Post Story Wish Park. So, again, none of these are really that official. These are our best guesses, since whatever thing you look up might have a different name for them. But just know that that last one is something you get in the post game after you've completed the main story. All right, well, we try to go in relative game order, and that means that one of my songs is up first. This is Seasong Beach in the Cove area. And this, um, when we discussed the first Poke Park, we know we that a lot of the area themes were a bit sparse unless you were in, like, the, the major Pokémon's, I guess, layer or stuff like that. This is laid out a fair bit differently. Uh, this song itself plays for a good portion of the cove area. Style-wise, I did mostly just call it orchestral. It has a definite off-to-adventure feel, but also off-to-an-ocean-adventure, and though you can go in the water, we'll sort of explain that mechanically, uh, probably in our game discussion. But it, it is honestly pretty different in a lot of structural ways. But Anne, what do you think about the song itself?
1: Yeah, it's kind of, as you say, a bit bouncy, very adventury, but it also got has some interesting things going on with the strings and stuff that kind of gives you the feel of being by the seaside and in the surf, or maybe taking a boat across the waves. So it, it just kind of evokes that Our our adventure is on the ocean side, which kind of makes sense because when you play the game, kind of the opening shots are kind of that craggy beach sort of um, imagery. It also sounds very much like kind of the start of a main series Pokemon game, like a, a Route 1 sort of vibe, not like necessarily in terms of melody, but in kind of feel. So I guess with your off to adventure comment...
0: Yeah, this is the first truly explorable area in the game. Um, And actually, that exploration, uh, unlike sort of the first game, which might have a few different variations of a relatively sparse tune in each area of the park, um, what this one actually does is it has about three or four, like there are some definite connecting threads, but they are separate tunes there. Like there's one for when you're around the lighthouse, there's one when you're near the portal to Wish Park, and I think there's at least one other thing there, but they are separate songs. And that's a very different sort of structure. You know, it's sort of an interactive or placement based soundtrack than what we saw, or what I should say, what we heard in the first Poke Park game. And any particular thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, I, I agree to, with you. It, it's just kind of like expanded on what we kind of got used to in the first Poke Park. Well,
0: not just expanded. it. I, I mean, I wanted to point out that I think this is fundamentally different than what they tried to do in some of the other places. But,
1: well, but I, I just meant more like it feels the same. But like, again, they've kind of just given it more different areas, more different. But like it feels very much in the same vein of Poke Park. But like they've given it a lot more variety.
0: Yeah, yeah. And and that will come into play when we talk about some of the other areas that we've picked out here. But before we do that, uh Anne, um let's go to one of yours. Now this is technically a track you could theoretically play through the whole game and never hear. But this is the attraction failure song. So uh as you get further in the game, you get to start playing these attractions. Not as many as in the first Poke Park, but if you don't meet the uh score criteria for them, you'll hear this tune. Anne, what sort of struck you about this one?
1: Yeah, I kind of I'm going to cheat a little bit and pair it with Attraction Completion, just because I found it really interesting that um, Attraction Failure, um, it's very bouncy. It's like the happiest you have failed uh, game music I've ever heard. Um, And then the only real difference between it and Attraction Completion seems to be that Attraction Completion is sped up. Um, So it's kind of just... I don't know, it gives off this very mellow vibe of like you're still exploring the park and you didn't get enough of a score, but you still had a bit of an adventure quality to it.
0: Yeah, it it also, I guess, maybe suggests that maybe you don't want to take this too seriously as a defeat and stuff like that. Yeah. I would guess I'd have to re-listen to the attraction clear to be sure, but I assume it's probably in a different key as well and uh, opens up with a, a... a different at least in some way stinger at the very beginning there but um
1: honestly it's i I'll, i could listen to attraction completion again but like i said what struck me was like it sounded exactly the same just faster <laughs>
0: um i'm just curious do you have any idea is this the first time we've actually called out a failure song in uh one of these i mean i'm trying to think what other games like i don't know if we've ever done a game over track or stuff like that and there aren't many lives usually in there right. I think, I think this is our first time actually calling out a failure track in one of these discussions um it
1: might be i feel like i'm such a contrarian that i might have before but i can't remember so this yeah this may be <laughs> the first time
0: And one other thing I did want to mention, uh, we're only talking about half a dozen tracks in this discussion, but there are some other pairs out there and counterparts for various tracks that occur like going into or out of Wish Park and a few other places in there. So this pattern you've noticed here, it may be represented differently in those other pairings, but it's something that definitely um, shows up a couple times because of how the game is structured. And I did kind of want to mention that. All right. Well, Anne, let's go on to your second pick. This is the crag area theme. And from what I've I listened to and what I've played recently, I mean, this seems a bit closer to some of the structural stuff for the area themes that we had in the first Pokemon game. But uh, why don't you describe it stylistically and, and, and let us know why you chose it.
1: Yeah, so the crag um, area, it's got a very um, interesting combination of drums and traditional Japanese instruments and some other Asian instruments. So it it creates a very unique sound. Um, I love especially like the little gong noises, but it's got like some weird Japanese style flutes and like something that could be like um, a shamisen or a shiu or something. Um, And it just creates a very like eerie, maybe deserty even quality. Like it uh, just kind of fits a de- very different topography than a forest or, or kind of a lush, lush field or seascape. And so I, I just found it just so very interesting and unique for its area.
0: Yeah. But, but kind of going back to a uh, Poke Park, we, the original, this one does have a lot of empty space in it, in there. Um, that, that, is much more in line with sort of the with the original Pokemon that would have these sort of somewhat I don't know, incomplete is maybe a little unfair, but they'd have these vacant spaces in them that sometimes would get filled in if you went to the right place. But basically, what I'm just saying there is this much more in line with the first one structurally, even though it is considerably more elaborate than a lot of those are.
1: Hmm, I, I think I'd agree with that. Like, it's not afraid to like not fill everything out all the time to kind of just strip things away for a minute or two.
0: And I guess, you know, we, we want to kind of compare it to a kind of a similar area. I mean, it's a bit different than either the mining area theme in the first Poké Park game or the volcano or whatever area, the hot area mm. in the uh, second Poké Park game. It's not quite like that either. So it does kind of say its own thing, which I, I kind of like. Uh, I assume that was your feeling as well.
1: Yeah, like I said, it's just kind of it's you. All these instruments come together in such a way that it, it kind of captures you, um, and it just f- feels like a familiar sound in that it evokes a place very well, but uh, also a sound that you've not really heard ver- before as often.
0: And I think with that, we can move on to my second pick. This is the train depot, or the well, I guess the train depot area. Kind of the way this and also the Craig area and a few other areas work is that there's, like, if you look at a sound playlist, there'll be a couple different versions that are similar but have, like, different accents and stuff. And that's kind of what I mean when I say this is similar to what was in the first Poké Park game. As opposed to, like, the, the beach area, which had different themes for each one that were distinctly different, th- these ones are more like there's a little bit of a different version. And that's true for the Train Depot area. Now, style-wise, this is a very jazzy uh, thing, very slow jazz with piano and strings, and um, it does seem like there's a fairly relaxed vibe to it, which kind of makes sense, because if you go to the train depot, it's perpetually sunset for whatever reason, so it's kind of like the end of the day when the trains have all reached their final destination for the night or whatever, although obviously trains can run night and day if they need to. And what was your sort of reaction to this, this track?
1: Yeah, my first reaction was kind of surprise because I kind of went in with the expectation of what my experience with trains are, which is kind of like a hustle and a bustle and an energy, and instead got like the smooth jazz and the quiet. And it kind of reminded me maybe of rural train stations, like those that I sometimes found in... Japan where, you know, one doesn't run every five minutes and it's just kind of a quieter place or maybe like in the um, European countryside or even like an old timey train station where um, things are just a little bit more relaxed and laid back and not as busy all the time. So it was, again, kind of surprise, but like I I started to find like a really interesting joy in that kind of um, different association.
0: Yeah, as far as the actual trains in this depot, I mean, they're they're obviously not uh, Shinkansen uh, bullet train cars Mm. or high-speed rail stuff. They're much more like old-style train cars. Presumably, you can't really tell if they're cargo or passenger or a mixture of both, which you sometimes see. But uh, I I do think, you know, one of the things you do as you move around there is you can hop on top of some of the trains and try to jump from train to train as you're – conversing or interacting, I should say, with the other Pokemon in that part of there. So I think it sort of fits the actual action that occurs in that part of the game, which is a bit more laid back, mm-hmm, although mm-hmm. there can be fast moments with it, obviously. Um, and I don't suppose, was there anything else you wanted to tack on to this one?
1: Um, I, I did kind of get the thought that this would be an interesting piece of music to incorporate into the anime with, like... Silen or the Train Brothers. I like. I kind of just got a thought that this might be something that could repeat throughout different iterations of Pokemon, be it other games or the anime or whatever. I thought that might be interesting. Anyway,
0: yeah. The one thing I would add uh, to what I've already said is that I kind of part of me wants to have like a complete through composed version, like maybe without some of the pauses in there. Mm. Like I said, this uses that little. A little bit of music and then a pause structure that sort of originates from the first Poké Park game. So I would kind of like to have one that was more, I guess you could say, through-composed or whatever the, the terminology is there. Uh, so it can just loop? I mean, it does loop, obviously. but
1: um, Yes, but...
0: <laughs> but um, just to have it's more of a standalone... But we keep using this term, and of course hmm. it's so ironic for this part of the game, track... But uh, Anne, I, before we move on, I just want to ask you, is that something you would be interested
1: in? Absolutely. I think that would be really great.
0: Lullaby by Willow. For, I mean Manda, probably didn't need those Jigglypuff samples to indicate what character prompted its inclusion, as the lyrics match quite well. The Puffball isn't the largest, strongest, or most intimidating Pokémon out there, but it does have another trick up its sleeve that it's more than willing to share, and the first verse summarizes that pretty accurately. As for the second verse, the primary Jigglypuff from the anime does appear many times throughout the series, making the term déjà vu very appropriate. Even the chorus manages to provide a good parallel, as the repeated use of the song's title mimics how most Pokémon say their name when talking. Finally, the inclusion of the word capture in the bridge hints, unintentionally of course, that sleeping Pokémon are easier to catch. As for the musical aspects, while Latin influence might seem more appropriate for a singing and dancing mythical Pokémon that would come many years later, it is still fitting for our cheery pink balloon. In any event, what do you think of this adopted character song? Be sure to let us know. Thanks. All right, well, let's move on to Anne's third pick. So we kind of divulged earlier, yes, Darkrai is the main final boss of the story. Um... (laughs) It is the thing that is uh, sort of running and uh, in charge of Wish Park, the sort of dark reflection or whatever you want to call it. But in any case, at some point towards the end of the game, you have to battle it. It's a two-phase battle, and we picked out, or I should say Anne picked out, the first phase of that battle. It's a fairly conventional style, but I'll let you go ahead and describe it, Anne.
1: Yeah, so what kind of stuck out to me right off the bat was um, the melody kind of has a little dun 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 da, which reminded me of the Bond, the James Bond theme, which I thought was hilarious. But, uh, like, in general, like, this just has um, a lot of drama going on in this song. Like, it it uses the notes to create tension. Um, There's lots of movement in the bass sounds. And um, other than, like I said, the James Bond call-out, it felt... Like, a main series, like, boss game track in a lot of ways, which, you know, it just was very well done in kind of creating the the tension and the energy you need for your, like, your final fight and the dramatics of a god Pokemon basically coming down to do business with you.
0: Yeah, it's not completely dissimilar from what we've heard from some of the champion battle themes, so I will absolutely Mm -hmm. give you that. Not sure I noticed anything of a Bond motif in it, but it's definitely got uh, some... (laughs) horns and drums being the main instruments, and some very tense strings going throughout it, uh, which get even, you know, as you imagine, even darker during Phase 2 of this fight. There is also a bit of a chase uh, mechanic to it, which makes sense, especially for this phase, that at a certain point, Darkrai will start zipping around the room, and you have to uh, reposition yourself to attack it, and, and so on and so forth. So that actually fits a bit with that movement. There's less of it in the second phase, and thus the... That sounds a little bit different. Mm -hmm. Now, you said you didn't have a ton of experience with this game. Did you ever get to play this boss battle yourself?
1: I did not get to play this boss battle. I did watch somebody else, though, fight it.
0: Yeah, so having played this myself, like I said, I wanted to bring in those mechanics there. Anything else in particular you wanted to note about this track, Anne?
1: Um. Kind of, yeah, just what we've already said, just the, the energy and the movement of the base kind of going da dun da 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 and then you're kind of, obviously you have a lot of tension as a player, but then Dark Rye is moving around, you're having to change your viewpoint, so it's just, again, just very good at kind of capturing the moment, I suppose.
0: Yeah, and like I said, it is a two-phase boss battle, so it, this first phase is a little more movement-oriented. Um mm-hmm. But in any case, after you do defeat Darkrai, you go through actually a, a bit of a credit sequence and a few cutscenes. But when you return to Wish Park in the post-game, the music for that area changes dramatically. Uh, during the main game, each sub-area, there are four sub-areas of Wish Park that each have a sort of a variation on a theme there. But when you get to into the post-game, you can freely move from one to the other, and it's, well... I'll try and describe it, but basically it changes this very, I don't know if happy is quite the right word, but very kind of floaty, um, orchestral strings and, and horns melody that I really enjoyed. And, uh, well, you obviously didn't get a chance to fight Dark Ride, right, so I'm guessing you didn't get to play it, but I'm sure you, no. you listened to the track. Uh, what were your thoughts? Yeah, I
1: agree. I agree. Like, all of the Wish Park tracks are really good. Like, I especially love the Flight Zone. Um, but yeah, it's kind of just got, not synth bells exactly, but like high, delicate notes. It's got very floaty synth sounds. It's got some very warm sounds in some of the other tracks. But it yeah, it just feels like fun. It feels happy. It feels safe after this battle you've just fought. Um, so yeah, it's just, I like these tracks a lot.
0: Yeah. Actually, there is a, a part where there are bells ring, which is important because actually at the end of each of the four sections of Wish Park, there is a bell that you ring to sort of signify that you've cleared that portion of Wish Park. And they also come into a play near the climax of the game. I did want to say, though, that this change in tone does give you as the as the player a real sense of accomplishment, that you've taken this place that was I don't want to give too much about the ending cutscenes away, but it goes to a spot where it really looks like it's maybe not going to survive. And during the game, it's been this very foreboding place. It feels like you've gone in uh, and made it a better place. Uh, perhaps the place a certain character in the game wanted it to be in the first place, but uh, didn't quite go about it the right way. And <laughs> I think that's something very special uh, especially since it's not like in other games where you go to a place and it's got this nice theme and then it gets all gets practically destroyed and then maybe at the end of the game, if it gets restored, you get it. This one you do not hear until after the main story of the game. And I think that's really interesting and kind of special. There's probably... There are other games that I'm sure do it, but I, I can't think of too much in the way of Pokemon games that do. Anne, do you have some thoughts on that?
1: Well, I just kind of like just find it really special the way, like, so much, much of Pokemon, the anime, and, and the games as well is kind of, like, focused on nature and this feeling of, like, you're not just exploring a new land, but there's a, a a restoration quality to it that part of you finishing the game is getting to see something come back to life. Like, I don't know, there's just something very special about that and just kind of lives in a section of the Pokemon world that, I don't know, is very, very important to me.
0: And that's kind of a a structural thing with a lot of Pokemon games, virtually all the main series and side games, that there is some sort of post game and there is some sort of acknowledgement of what you did during the game beyond just Mm -hmm. the end credits in that the world is somehow changed or protected or restored or whatever from some sort of event there. And I think that's an important feature. Um, and here it's represented extremely well musically. I'd agree. All right. Well, before we give our overall opinion on the music, I did want to go a little bit over some of the sound effects and other stuff. Um, like the first Poké Park game, the Pokemon have their, basically their anime voices more or less carried over. So you got the voice cast from the TV show, uh, at least in the English and Japanese version, not sure exactly what they would, would do for, um, Parts of Europe and stuff like that, but that's also a bit of a differentiator, certainly from the main series games, where very few, if any, Pokemon have their anime voices. But I think those are all pretty much fine there, as well as the uh, sound effects for various things happening. I don't know that there's anything super standout, and it's anything there you want to mention?
1: Um. No, it it's just like I'm always interested in like, you know, why they choose to have the anime voices versus like the main series voices. Um I think I think it's fun though and I do like to hear them and I think it fits um the visuals here, so.
0: Yeah. So that is pretty much par for the course in that area. All right. So so then sort of speaking about our opinion on the whole of the music. I mean, we we said in our opening part that is a lot like the first game, but with just you know more elaborate and more fleshed out and I think that more or less holds. I think it's definitely an upgrade. There are more certainly more distinct songs in the game, particularly in this in the in the beach area. I'm not sure if they want to do that with everything else and just didn't have time or or what uh structurally, but all the music, even the one that structurally is more like the areas in the first game, is. Much more elaborate, not that the first you know game had bad music, but this is definitely a step up and do you think that's fair
1: i absolutely think that's fair it just follows on the same theme, but is definitely moving forward and and trying more things and making more i don't know variety for the different locales.
0: So definitely an improvement in that area. For the rest of the game, though, you'll have to wait until our uh, post segment. But uh, if you had any thoughts on the music of this game or other aspects of it, you can always drop us a comment. Uh, You can drop us an email, pokepress at gmail dot com. You can drop a comment on one of these videos, or you can also look for us on Twitter at PokePress. Speaking of feedback, we do have a little bit to go over here. So this is one I wanted to point out. This is this is a comment on a video by Not Ordinary in Games. It's on, actually, a, a, one of our first discussions. Discussion, Pokemon 2000 Ending Themes Part 1. So before we started doing these live, I would uh, take the audio recorded online but not live and sort of edit that together and toss that on YouTube in addition to the podcast feed. So that's why this video is like that, not one of our actual live streams, because we weren't doing those back then. But all that pushed to the side. The actual comment is about uh, comparing Because Everyone Was everyone was There and uh, Twa at ma. So, to be honest, Pokemon 2000 is one of our more lopsided discussions. Not because Twa at ma, the japanese theme of the second Pokemon movie, is a bad song, but it doesn't quite reach the heights of The Power of One, the English song. At least in my opinion, and I think in a lot of folks' opinion. But, uh... This, uh, this poster, Not Ordinary in Games, did a little bit of digging. And notice that because everyone was there, which we talked about during one of our other uh, episodes, I believe it's underrated Pokemon songs, uh, it turns out it has the, basically the same length, and it, it sort of s- tried to do a swap out there, and it more or less works the same, which is very interesting. That, that really suggests that because everyone was there, was either a backup, or the idea they came up with first, you know, we, we've we've talked about this several times. That I think the power of one still is ahead of because everyone was there, but it would be a much more, I guess you could say, fair fight. I don't know. And what are your thoughts on all of this?
1: I I think that's well. First of all, I think this is brilliant. Good job, not ordinary games. That's wonderful because I I have gone on record like minagaitakara because everyone was there is a phenomenal song and deserves to be the under the credits song. Um, Much as I love Toi et Moi, um, you know, it's doing its own thing. Um, Whereas Ash singing about his feelings is, um, it just hits my heartstrings in a special, special way. I I think there's definitely a case that it might have been considered as the under the credits song. Like there's a lot of um character songs and image songs on that soundtrack on the Japanese side, like Orewa Collector and such. But there is something about Minagaitakara that really sums up the entire movie and um Satoshi's feelings about it. And knowing that it is the exact length, yeah, it may have been um at least voiced as a possibility for the under the credits song. Yeah, and it's possible
0: sometimes the reverse happens. We've had our suspicions about some of the stuff on Pokemon 25, the album originally being intended for uh, Secret to the Jungle, and maybe perhaps it was broken back out because uh, that movie was not going to get a theatrical release because of events. True, um, true. That's just a theory on my part. But, um, yeah, so whenever you notice things like that, Like I said, sometimes it just bears mentioning. I mean, like I said, it might have just been a backup in case Amaru Nami wasn't able to deliver the song on time or something fell through contractually, which I know has also happened. Like, I think the song Wonderland from the Pokemon 2000 centric was supposed to actually be the intro to Pikachu's Rescue Adventure. Oh. um, And itself was supposed to be performed by Dream Street instead of Angela Via. But something fell through there and we ended up with, you know, coming to the rescue, which all of those are are fine songs and acts and stuff, Mm -hmm. Um, but stuff like that can happen and just, you know, has to get shuffled around like that. So
1: definitely like as someone who's worked on theater shows and independent film and stuff um, in the back end with the director producer side, it never hurts to have um, backup plans Ready to go just in case, and especially if you have a format like a CD or something where you can still make use of them after the fact, but like just knowing that whatever happens, you have what you need <laughs> for when you need it.
0: <laughs> yeah, and we're recording this a couple weeks after the new Super Mario Brothers movie <sighs> came yes. out. And it turns out that there were some score elements that weren't actually used in the film Then were replaced by licensed songs for some of that. And we're not sure if that was a a test audience preference thing um, or a contractual thing or what. But like I said, these types of things happen. All right. Well, like I said, uh, if you want to give us feedback on this or anything else, you can always put a comment on the video like uh, this individual did. Or you can drop us an email, pokepressgmail.com, or at pokepress on Twitter. Alright, so we're actually kind of skipping a few things here. Uh, We just sort of talked about some of the the things that are more appy, like Pokedex 3D and uh, Dream Radar. We may talk about those at some point, but I don't plan on including them too much in this particular series as main entries. But we are skipping, well, we're definitely skipping the Typing Adventure since that never released in North America. Sorry if that that was on your your list there. But just to let you know, our next discussion is going to be Pokémon Conquest for the DS. So this is, I guess, basically the last, I mean, I think Poké Park is the last Pokémon Wii game for the original Wii. This is the last DS game. So, Pokemon Conquest is basically a Pokemon version of the Nobunaga's Ambition series of games, <laughs> uh, which is, you know, outside of Smash Brothers, it's certainly the biggest crossover in, in the Pokemon realm. I, uh, I We're going to have an interesting time talking about the music in this game, especially in relation to... Oh, a game that came out in early 2022, uh, Legends Arceus, which could have gone in the same direction as this game, and to a limited extent does, but not as far musically.
1: Well, they are two very different eras of Japan, so...
0: They are two different eras of Japan, but I think it'll still be a good Mm, comparison point, because I don't think people would have minded, but in any case, Andy, did you get a chance to
1: play this game when it came out? Oh, did I? <laughs> yes, Pokemon Conquest and I are old friends.
0: <laughs> yeah, I I actually did not quite finish the main story of the game, but it turns out that's only a fraction of the content. But musically, yeah, I think we're going to have some good selections to pull out of this one. Not that we didn't with our you know today's game, Poke Park Two, but uh, this is going to be a fun discussion. and I'm definitely looking forward to it. Mm-hmm. And thank you very much for being on.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: This has been Steven Reich. All right, folks, thanks. Thanks for listening to the PokePress Digest podcast. We'd appreciate if you rate or review us on your podcast app of choice. If you'd like to find more of our great content, visit our website at pokepress.blogspot.com. If you'd like to contact us, send an email to pokepress at gmail.com or follow at PokePress on Twitter. Okay, well now it's time to talk about Poké Park 2 Wonders Beyond as a game, and, you know, this doesn't have maybe quite as big an upheaval as, say, the second Pokémon Ranger game, Shadows of Valmia, did from its predecessor, but they still shook things up quite a bit here in a number of areas. The first one I wanted to mention is that there's actually four playable characters in this game. There's Pikachu, just like in the previous game, but there's also the three starters from uh, Unova, Tepig, Oshawott, and Snivy, and each one of them has different stats, each one of them has some sort of special ability, and I think that made the gameplay a lot more varied and interesting. Before I go too far into that, Anne, I assume that was your reaction as well.
1: Yeah, to have different playable characters, more characters to interact with, more of a plot, definitely.
0: Yeah, but going back to the characters, you know, obviously one of my favorite games growing up was the... U.S. Super Mario Bros. 2, I'll spare our listeners the full story of how that game became what it was, but, you know, that has four different characters with somewhat different abilities. This one kind of goes even a bit further than that, like, like, Oshawott's special ability is it can swim, which makes a lot of sense. I mean, Pikachu can shock stuff, obviously. Uh, Snivy's special ability is that she, and yes, she is canonically a she in this game, whereas all the other characters, I believe, are confirmed male. Uh, but she has basically a higher or double jump or something like that. But her sort of uh, weakness there is her her moves aren't as strong. And then Tepig is is obviously it, it can do he can do a a charge move and a stomp move, and obviously he, he can spit fire and stuff like that. Um, and they use all that stuff. Like it'll tell you in the guide which Pokemon are good against a Pokemon if they have to battle it, which ones are not. And and they use all them, which I think really fleshes the game out both from, a, you know, a, a navigation perspective, but also from, uh, you know, a combat perspective and all that stuff. Anne, uh, what did you think about that?
1: Yeah, I, I agree. Because by having the different characters you can play as, you can make um, more use of the type's advantage and stuff like that. So, yeah, it just offers opportunities for strategy, opportunities um, for your player to make choices and tactical things, and yeah.
0: Yeah. Although I will say, since Snivy, she's the best jumper and also the fastest runner, for getting around the overworld, she tends to be the best there, so I ended up using her a lot. Um You can actually see, like, what percentage you've been using each of them, and she was, like, almost half <laughs> of the time there, whenever I didn't need... And I guess one other thing I want to mention in in this area is that there are a bunch of each, like, major area has a puzzle area of some sort where you have to rapidly swap between characters and you're under a time limit. Although swapping characters, thankfully, does not, uh, the timer stops when you're doing that. But you have to go through an obstacle course and sort of make it to the end there. Um, Definitely some some more varied mechanics there, and I think that's very welcome. Mm Mm-hmm. All right, well, we mentioned a little bit about the story. I mean, we gave away the final main game boss there, being Darkrai. But this, this game is definitely a bit more ambitious in that area with, with all the different characters. Uh, Piplup, from the first game, returns as a non-playable character, and you go through, obviously, befriending your three partners there, the the starter partners, and all that stuff. You know, well, well it may not be... You know, it's still obviously a game aimed at, at younger kids... I do still feel like that added more of a sense of, I don't know if lived in is the right, the right word there, but you kind of get what I'm saying?
1: Yeah, I, I definitely do. And feeling that, I don't know, what you do matters in the world. I don't know that your character isn't just, I don't know, a bunch of pixels or something, but like it's like you will, can be that character and you can make friends and you can affect what's happening in the Pokepark. Like It just helps it all feel a little more real and like again like it matters
0: <laughs> and i think the word i was really looking for there was cohesive which i think the story does tie things together and they do some interesting stuff there like at one point dark near the end of the game dark wipes the memories of your three other companions so they don't know who you are and there's actually as dark is about to send you back out into the the world there to be miserable i guess um, there's actually a special loading screen for that where Pikachu is in front of a, a black background all by itself as opposed to the other loading screen which shows your partners there as you collect them through the game. So that is interesting. So the, like I said, they really put that in there. And there's also s- cut scenes with uh, Zekrom and Reshiram throughout the game. And you can battle them both in the post-game if you want to. Right. <laughs> yeah. What did you think about the, the sort of the graphical presentation in this game? I think it might be a, a little bit nicer than the, the first one, but one of the prettier areas, I would say, is the sunset area in the train uh, train yard there in the uh, tech area that we talked about a little bit with, with the, when I picked out the song there. But visually, what did you think of this game?
1: Yeah, um, kind of like how I felt about the first game. Like, I mean, obviously, this is a little bit better, but like... The graphics are, you know, it's not like they're super realistic or anything, but they look like the Pokémon. They look like our cartoony renderings of the Pokémon. They are super cute. Um, And the world looks, again, very much like a cartoony video game world. But they make really good use of lighting. Um, I'm thinking of the scene where they're kind of talking to Darkrai. And, and you know, he's like, I'm so sorry. I tried to destroy your bonds of friendship. Um, but, like, like the little candles going up the stairway and everything just creates a very interesting lighting situation. Like, So it's like, even though it's not necessarily the high-res Final Fantasy cutscene sort of thing, like, I don't think that makes it less. I think that they're art direction and their color palette and everything just works very well for the type of game this is. And it it's just looks very good Um, if you're not expecting it to look like Detective Pikachu level realism on the Pokemon.
0: Yeah. So I guess speaking of movies, the other thing we should talk about here, we talk about this with a lot, especially obviously since Detective Pikachu has come out. Would this or maybe like an original story that uses the Pokepark framework be a good movie. Now, in that particular case, it'd probably kind of be like a mystery dungeon movie because the Pokemon would ob- obviously have to actually talk in that scenario. So, but certainly, this this plot and pacing and characters in this game are much more amenable to that type of you know storytelling. I would think. And do you have an, an opinion on that?
1: Yeah, I think you could make a really good kids' movie kind of pokemon focused using a plot like this one um i think the art direction as well i think i might for a movie want slightly different graphics maybe a television show could get away with it um but like the general art direction of like i say the lighting and the presentation and the visual mood added to the plot i think there's a lot of potential here that could be explored
0: yeah, so definitely some ideas here, but this is the last of the Poké Park games, and I think part of that is probably actually the... This didn't sell maybe terribly, but like a lot of Gen 5... I mean, generally speaking, the second generation on the same hardware, which in the case of Black and White is on the DS again, does not sell as well. We'll see what happens with Scarlet and Violet. That one might uh, buck the trend there, but... You know, I think this is probably an underappreciated game. I mean, the first Poké Park game, yeah, until it closed a few weeks ago from when we were <laughs> recording this, you could buy that on the, the Wii U ESOP. For this one, you've always had to find a disc out there. But I think this this game is probably a little underappreciated. I think that's going to be a theme going forward for some of the other Gen 5 side games. I think the uh, the sort of the feeling that Gen 5 was a bad generation outside of the trading card game, which I have some major issues with... Is uh, a bit overstated out there. That being said, I think a lot of the Gen Five side games didn't maybe make as big as an impact as maybe we, you know, they should have. I don't know. As far as this game goes, Anne, what are your thoughts on that?
1: Um, it's it's hard to say because on the one hand, I do think it is a little underappreciated. I think, like, if we were not doing this podcast, I don't know if I would have spent a lot of time with this game and that i think there's a lot of people who maybe even have somewhat negative ideas of this game just thinking it's maybe a little boring or not very good or like why would i play this when i can play mystery dungeon or you know but i think there is enough about it that is a little bit unique and a little bit special that i i could see that it could come back um if Somebody over in the Pokemon company wanted to put together a team and like try to revitalize this franchise. I think there's enough here to work with. And I think a lot of people who did play it have a lot of very fond memories. And when I look through the comments on... Various websites about it. A lot of people are like, oh, I remember playing this when I was whatever year old. So I think it definitely has its audience and the people that do love and appreciate it, which means I think it has potential to stay around if, you know, if it is possible to buy it and play it or at least uh, reboot it somewhere down the line for a different console.
0: Yeah, when we did Pokemon Channel a year or two ago, we started talking about, yeah, they go in a very different direction for the following (laughs) Pikachu games. And uh, we're going to take another turn here. Uh, Creatures Inc. did make another Pikachu game, and it's kind of an important one because it's Detective Pikachu, and we'll get to that in, I think, a year or two. But I'm not sure. I'm not sure what that says about this particular game, if it was how much of it was the game itself, how much of it was sort of, what well, I think is a somewhat unfair characterization of that particular generation, but uh, it's something I think we'll be coming back to. Especially you mentioned *Mystery Dungeon*. When we get to *Gates to Infinity*, I think we're <laughs> going to have some some thoughts there about that one. So,
1: probably.
0: <laughs> uh, all right, like *Wonderful* is one. Uh, we did get a, a comment from DGD033 that I don't have up here. That he says that's his favorite song on, on on the Pokemon 25 film, but Wonderful has some very interesting parallels to the movie, and Sin did, in fact, write some of the songs that are used there. So that's kind of interesting. I also have my suspicions about uh, Art Show and, mm. <laughs> uh, you know, Vince Staples. Maybe that was too on the nose for one of the scenes where Ash Ketchum shows up there, but uh, Pokemon Conquest is a crossover series with the, oh gosh, I can see the guy's face on the cover, and I'm trying to remember the name, uh, Nobunaga's Ambition, that's right.